Today, I want to talk to you about finding courage, uh, the courage to do anything that God asks you to do. As I thought about talking to you about that, there's one episode in Tolkien's Lord of the Rings that came to my mind. It, it, it's a, a well-known one. It's a time when Frodo, the hobbit who was asked to carry that ring that was the center of all evil and destroy it, began to realize how hard this was going to be. And he was there with Gandalf, the wizard, through whom the calling had come. And he turns to Gandalf and he says, I am not made for perilous quests. I wish I had never seen this ring. Why did it come to me? Why was I chosen? And Gandalf simply turns to him and says, such questions cannot be answered. You may be sure that it was not for any uh, merit that others do not possess, nor for your own power or wisdom at any rate, but you have been chosen, and you must therefore use such strength and heart and wits as you have. I, I thought about that, and I, I wondered, have you ever felt like Frodo? I, I, I know that I certainly have, and, and asked, if God has asked me to do it, where do I find the courage to move forward with this thing? And that brought me to the texts that we begin with today, 2 Timothy. It is a letter written by an older Christian, the Apostle Paul, to a young man who had had an incredible calling to go into perhaps what was the greatest church of that day, the church in Ephesus, and become the pastor. Um, Paul knew he'd been called to do it, and yet this young man, Timothy, just didn't feel he was quite up to it. And so in the, in the very opening verses to this, what we have the Apostle Paul doing, it feels a little bit like a biblical motivational speech. There were many reasons why Timothy might have felt afraid. Uh, one is, of course, that uh, Timothy was a young man stepping into a, a church where the Apostle Paul and probably the Apostle John had been. And he was living in a culture where youth wasn't respected the way it is in our own. No, uh, people valued older age uh, much more. Makes me kind of think I might have fit back in that, that era a little bit better. But uh, Timothy was needing a, a lot of courage for that. Uh, beyond that, it was the Greek world. And, and the Greeks, similar to, to Southern Californians, really valued fitness and strength. And apparently, Timothy was a rather physically weak young man and perhaps wouldn't have been respected for that. But I think the biggest thing was that Timothy had a rather shy, withdrawn temperament. And when you read through 2 Timothy, you're going to see that that church, as, as great as it had been, had huge challenges. And for him to be shy and withdrawn might have proven to be fatal to his calling to be their pastor. And so Paul, knew, knowing this, steps in. On one side, he knew that Timothy had the gifts to do this job. He also knew that God had called him to do it. But the thing that the Apostle Paul saw was that Timothy needed courage. And it might be the very thing that you need. And so what I see in, the, in verses 3 through 12 is the Apostle Paul trying to encourage him. And using the kinds of things that as I have read them, they have encouraged me again and again in my own life. And as I've thought about perhaps some of you facing huge challenges, maybe they'll encourage you as well. The first thing he does is what the Bible always does. The first motivator that he uses is he said, use your mind, take time to remember. You see that in verses three through seven, he says, I remind you 
And he began to have a few things that he wanted Timothy to stop for a few moments before he became too afraid and remember some things. What did he have to remember? I think some of the same things I want to say to you today. He wanted him to remember that other people were praying for him. Today, if you're facing a huge challenge, I want you to know that God's people will pray for you as well. I love verse 3. The Apostle Paul turns to this young man and he says, Timothy, I want to remind you that I constantly remember you in my prayers. And then he goes on and he says, night and day, Timothy, I do this. Uh, I wonder, would that have encouraged you? If a mature, godly man like the Apostle Paul himself would come to you and say, I know you have a big challenge, but I also want you to know every day, in fact, day and night, I remember you in prayer. Uh, for me in my walk with God and in my role as a pastor, this, this encouragement co that comes when God's people come to me and say, Greg, we know the issues that you're facing and we're praying for you. Those have been incredible encouragements for me. In these more recent days when I've shared with you some of the physical challenges that, that I've been going through and I've been just inundated with so many people coming to me and saying, Pastor, we want you to know that we're praying for you. The feeling is almost like uh, the Lord is carrying me. It's, it's, it's like being on a wave there in the ocean and just riding on that wave of the prayer support of God's people. I, I long for you to have that same thing. I, I pray that that won't just be true for me as a pastor. For that to happen in your life, you need to know people and they need to know you. That's one of the reasons why we have the small groups in our church. If you can't find one, I hope that you'll find some of the people who sit around you in church and share your life with them. And in this sort of ministry, I'll tell you of people praying for you and you praying for others, you find great courage. Remember, Remember that God's people are praying for you. What else did Paul want them to remember? Another thing was he wanted Timothy to remember that God would use all the experiences of Timothy's past to, to equip him for whatever was going to be in his future. That, that the past was in God's hand, all the things that had happened to him, and therefore the present and the future would be as well. So that as, as you look at verse 5, Paul says this, Timothy... This sincere faith that I see in you, it first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. So, so you read that, and, and what you see is that Timothy would be somebody who comes from what, what we would call a good Christian home, at least on his mother's side. So his background was so different from Paul's. Paul had been converted uh, miraculously. You know, he'd been persecuting Christians, trying to kill Christians, and Jesus had met him and turned his life around. Uh, in many ways, Paul was like some of the people here at Lake Avenue Church who have come to faith in Jesus later in life. And perhaps you had been imprisoned. Perhaps you had had all sorts of issues in your life. My own father's background of coming to faith later on was one of a person whose life was completely turned around. And that's a great testimony. God uses that testimony to further his work as you give that testimony to others. But today I want to tell you, that testimonies like Timothy's and like mine, those are great testimonies too. Timothy had been a follower of Jesus since he was a young boy, and, and so have I been. I was six when I came to Jesus. I've been in the church my whole life. And now that I'm a pastor, 
one of the things that I see is I, I sort of imbibed the way that churches work and church people think with my mother's milk. And when I see flaws in the church and I see us sometimes finding it hard to get to a decision, I don't write us off too quickly because I've seen it so often and I've seen how God can work through it. I really feel like the background God has given me has called me and equipped me for this task. And that's what Paul was saying to Timothy as well. Your testimony isn't the same as mine, Timothy, but, but the testimony you have is one that you will see God uses it to equip you for what he's called you to do. And I want to say the same thing to you. I don't know what your background is. There are surely some really tough parts in it. I'm sure some wonderful and good parts as well. But I tell you, whatever is in your background, that was not outside of God's control. You will see that he will use it when you face your next challenge. And, and if he was there then, he will be with you in this next time as well. Take time to remember that God was at work in your life in the past, and he will use that to face the challenge that you have today. The other thing that he wants him to remember, and maybe the most important of all, is God's special gift within. So in verses 6 and 7, he says, Timothy, fan into flame, notice, fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. Now, I've got to tell you about this. Uh, Timothy, the pastor, had had something happen when he was what we call ordained pastoral ministry. It's similar to what we've been doing we've, with Pastor Jeff Matisich and Pastor Annie Newfeld and with Pastor Melinda Manus. The church takes time to set aside a moment to say, yes, you've been set aside for pastoral ministry. What we do when that happens is we lay on our hands and pray for the individual. When that had happened to Timothy, something had happened that made it evident that the Holy Spirit is the one who had actually led him to do this. And, and what Paul says both in 1 Timothy, an earlier letter, and in 2 Timothy, he says, Timothy, you've got to remember this, that when you went into pastoral work, when you faced this challenge, it wasn't just your choice, nor was it just our choice as church people. It was God's choice, and he has given his spirit to you to fulfill that choice. And the principle uh, that is basically there, the biblical principle is this, God never appoints anyone to a task without equipping him or her for that task. He calls you and then he gives himself to you to fulfill that calling. And that leads to one of the greatest verses in the Bible. I'm calling this sermon, this series, uh, Famous Last Words. And uh, some of the most famous last words are these, because Timothy, when God gave his spirit to you, he didn't give you a spirit of fear. He gave you a spirit of power and of love and of discipline. Now we'll come back to those last two phrases of love and discipline. Right now I wanna focus on the word power. And that is this, if you sense that God would have you to do something, I want you to know that when God calls you, he gives his spirit to you and his spirit is able to equip you for whatever he has called you to do. Remember that. Remember when you face a challenge and you obey God by stepping into it, that God's spirit will be there and he is a spirit of power. So th this is the first motivator I want to give you. If you know that there is something God would have you to do and you're not sure that you're up to it, take time to remember. Remember that you have church people who will pray for you. Remember that God is the one who has given you your background. He was there then. He will use that and he will be with you in the future. And remember especially that when you follow Jesus, 
you became indwelt with the mighty Holy Spirit. Remember and have courage. Now, now there are a couple of other things he said to motivate him as well. And uh, the second one, the second motivator, I've just called it, just do it. Just do it. And you can see that in uh, 2 Timothy 1, verse 6 and verse 8, these commands come. And one of them is this, Timothy, join with me in suffering, what a calling that is, for the sake of the gospel, by the power of God. Um, I imagine most of you know the Nike swoosh advertisement that just says, just do it to get out there on, in the athletic arena and do what we've been equipped to do. Uh, I read verse six and verse eight in this chapter and think Paul is saying something very much like that. He's saying, Timothy, you know what you have to do. Get out and do what God has called you to do by his power. Uh, I think of this motivation being a little different from the first where we're to remember. This is more what my mom would have called the kick in the seat motivation. <laughs> you already know what you're supposed to do. Just take the first step in that direction. In verse six, you already see it. The spirit of God's been given to you. Timothy, until you step out, you won't fan into flame the power of that spirit through obeying him. In other words, you can't just sit back all day and watch video games and expect that you'll see the power of God working in and through you. Now, I know there's a mystery in this. On one side, it's all God's work. But on the other side, God works when his people actually step out in faith. It's a consistent message of the Bible. God's gifts in us make a difference only when we're ready to put them to use. You just don't know how powerful God is until you step out and do something that's beyond your own power and find out that he is there. And I'll tell you, verse eight is a challenge to us all. And he said, Paul says to him, so Timothy, don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord and of me as his prisoner. Instead, join with me in suffering for the good news of the gospel. So a straight, direct command from Jesus. Uh, Paul, who knew that church well, knew that there were probably two things that were making Timothy and his church people afraid. Some of them were afraid of witnessing about Jesus in a world that didn't want to hear about Jesus. And that's just like our world too, isn't it? The other one really fascinates me. Timothy, don't be afraid of me as a prisoner. Uh, there, there's a lot of pain in that phrase, isn't there? Because when Paul had first become a follower of Jesus, all the church people were, were thrilled and proud of, of this well-educated, successful rabbi who is now a follower of Jesus with them. But over the years, the apostle Paul in carrying the gospel to the world had been beaten and shipwrecked. And when he wrote this letter, he was in prison. And I'm sure that they didn't even want to associate with them. It was this, this, this humble convict who was in a Roman prison. And one of the things I see here, and I feel it's true of us too. On one side, sometimes we have fear to speak about Jesus where he's called us to be. And sometimes we're embarrassed about our brothers and sisters in Christ and the church. Um, sometimes we should be if they're not faithful to Jesus. But sometimes we're embarrassed because they're simply not cool or, or, or because they're, they're experiencing difficulty when they try to be faithful in their walks. And what we have to have is to have the courage to be faithful to stand with God's people and with the Lord Jesus. That's the second motivation that he gives. Just do it. If you know there is something God has called you to do, overcome the fear, take the first step, and you'll see God is there. 
Which brings me to the third and final motivator that's there. It's found in verses 9 through 12, and I've simply called it, look at other people of God who've gone before you and learn from the examples of courageous, godly people. So in verse 11, Paul says, remember, Timothy, it's of this gospel, this good news, that I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher, and that is why I am suffering. I don't know if you've ever noticed that before. The Apostle Paul says that there's something about the good news of Jesus that leads to people rejecting it and often persecuting us. What is it? It's good news of eternal life available through Jesus. Why is it that people hold this at arm's length? And Paul kind of walks through it in verses 10, 9 through 12. He says it's because it's a gospel that people need to be saved. It, it, we tell people that there's no hope in what they're doing on their own, and often people don't like that. They, they like to think, I can do it myself. But no, the Bible says you can't do it yourself. Yeah, you need to be rescued. You need to be forgiven of sins. And because people don't like that, they hold that at arm's length. Also in verse 9, he says, this is gospel of Jesus calls us to a holy life. I honestly think that if we told people, you know, this beautiful Jesus, he wants you to believe in him, they would say, sure, I'll believe in him if they could keep living just as they're living right now. Do you think so? If they didn't have to change at all and could just sort of add Jesus to it, then many people would believe. But because Jesus says, no, there are wrong things in your life that need to be confessed, that need to be turned from, and you need to commit to following Jesus. Many people don't want to do that. And so they hold Jesus and the good news at arm's length. And I think verse 10 especially, it tells us that this good news about Jesus tells us that Jesus is the only way to God. He says, our Savior Christ Jesus has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. He's declaring there that the only way to really find eternal life in this world is through the one man who 2,000 years ago entered into history in this world, lived as we, we are supposed to live, but we haven't, but was willing to die in our place so that we could have life, but only he can give eternal life. You know, in our world, where tolerance of anything is the highest value, this call to say Jesus and Jesus alone is the way to God is something that often leads to mockery and to uh, often persecution. And Paul says, that's why I'm suffering. That's really why I'm in prison, because I've been faithful to Jesus. So that's a hard thing. Timothy, you have courage to do whatever God calls you to do, because look at me, I've had that courage, <laughs> but look where I am. You say, why would I do that? And Paul says, it's worth it. Where do we find that joy? Where do we find that confidence? So I'm going to tell you about another famous last word. It is verse 12. Great testimony of Paul. He says this. I am not afraid, I am not ashamed, for I know in whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. It's another great verse, isn't it? It can be understood in a couple of ways. It can be that he's able to guard, Jesus is able to guard whatever he's entrusted to us. It could be translated that way, which would be the good news if everybody hates it, it's still going to prevail. And there will be a people of God who trust Jesus in, in eternity. But the other way, the way our version, the NIV translates it, 
that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him, namely my own life until that day is a beautiful promise. I really think Paul means both of those, but I want to leave that one with you. That just like Romans 8, 38 and 39, that tells us whatever happens in this world, nothing can separate you from what really matters, the love of God that comes in Christ Jesus, our Lord. He says, listen, when you walk with Jesus and are faithful to him, he is able to guard you and to guard your life until he's finished his work in, in you and brings his work to completion. I'll, I'll tell you, this text that we come to today has been perhaps the most important text in my walk with God, especially in my ministry as a pastor. Uh, I'm praying it'll be the same way for you. Uh, I'm just so sure that there are people here who have come to church who feel like Frodo, <laughs> that you know there's something that you're supposed to do. You don't feel up to it. You say, I'm not made for this. Where do I find the strength? And I want you to know you can find the strength in Christ. I want you to use your mind if you feel anxious about the calling and stop and remember that God's people will pray for you and remember that God has been in your past and how he supplied for you and that he will use everything in your life to equip you for the future and to remember that God has given you his spirit and his spirit is greater than anything in this world. I want you to remember. I want you to think about what has called you to do. And I want you to go out and take that first step of faith. I don't even know what that first step is, but I want you to take that first step of faith to witness to a friend, uh, to serve our children or our students in ministry here at Lake, to go out and mentor people in the community. Whatever it is you think God is calling you to do, take the first step. And I think you will see that God will show up. And then finally, look around you. There, there are so many people who have walked with God and found him to be faithful. I want to tell you, if you will courageously obey God and do whatever he has called you to do, you will find that he will be faithful to you and your walk with him will be richer and deeper than it ever has been before. When God calls you to a task, go into it with courage and as you do, I want to have sort of ringing in your mind and resonating in your heart. Verse 12, I'm not afraid. I am not ashamed for I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Until that day when there is no more pain and there are no more of these difficulties until that day when this place will be filled with the glory of God and he will reign in a kingdom of justice and peace and it will all be to his glory. Amen.